This episode will contain explicit language, along with spoilers for The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, released in 2006 and directed by Justin Lin. A couple of corrections here as well. At the end of the episode, I said that Furious 7 is probably directed by Justin Lin. However, it is not. It is directed by James Wan. We also said that this is the longest episode of the podcast. And we stand corrected. It is not the longest episode of the podcast. That still goes to the Blade Runner 2049 episode. So those are just a couple of corrections I thought I'd throw at the front of this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to a new episode of Franchises and Filmogs, the podcast that brings you a lot of reviews, I guess, about Fast and Furious movies, along with other franchises and other filmographies. Uh, right now, as I said, we are on the Fast and the Furious franchise, and we are going back in time. We're drifting back a little bit. Uh, we're going back to 2006. We're going to welcome back my friend Steven as well. Steven, how are you doing today or tonight? I'm, you know, pretty tired. I worked like 10 hours a day, but you know. It's Friday, and most importantly, Zach, what are you drinking tonight? So, I am drinking a mimosa, actually, because one time when we were recording this, you were drinking a mimosa. Yeah, it took a page out of my book. that was also, like, the only things I had to make a drink out of, is, like, I had some vodka, and I have some orange juice and grapefruit juice, so it's kind of a grapefruit mimosa. What are you drinking? Oh, interesting. I so I have Townsend Huckleberry Dessert Wine. Dessert wine. It is sweet and it is smooth, and I'm enjoying it. That sounds like too sweet for me. I'm not a fan I, of like really sweet wine. I'm a baby and prefer my alcohol on the sweeter side. I for see. For the most part, beers I prefer <clears throat> sours. Although I do like stouts as well, so I guess it's like. I prefer it to taste like coffee or taste like fruit. There's <laughs> just no in between. Yeah. I feel like I like a good sweet cider, but yeah. I don't know. When it comes to wine, I'm usually on the like drier side, I guess, uh, or more bitter side of wine. It's, but, like, it's a surprising flavor. But Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, a fitting drink for this episode might be like, Beer. I mean, Corona is always fitting for the Fast and the Furious or Saki. Uh, do, do they drink much in this movie at all? I don't really remember I them mean, drinking high much. Kids, so fast. <laughs> <think so. laughs> oh yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. But I mean, there is like a mob, and I think they're like drinking in these like poker rooms, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. They're probably like I feel like mobsters in movies would just drink Saki, yeah. but. Also, I don't know the uh, drinking age in Tokyo. Um, no, that's a good but... point. It might actually be 18, like the UK. Yeah, maybe. Um, we'll probably talk about age. ages 20. in a little bit. Nope. 20. Yep. It, I mean, it might have been different in 2006 also. So, um, But, so we're talking about Tokyo Drift. Uh, rated PG-13, an hour and 44 minutes in length. I don't think there's an extended version of this, um, but I don't think I watched it if there is one. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about the theatrical version. 
um, directed by Justin Lin and Steven. I watched this one on a DVD again, so we can play the uh, trailer game if you want. Oh, yes. I love this. So we're looking at trailers before a DVD for Tokyo Drift, which was released in 2006. That is like, I'm trying to, are they going to be advertising (laughs) probably other movies that released physically at the same time? Yes, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, is there, is there, I feel like Dead Man's Chest, Pirates of the Caribbean. Nope. Damn it. Okay. I'll do two more. Um, that wouldn't make sense. Not like idiocracy. Nah. No. Okay. One, one more. One more. One more. Um, man. All right. Is there, there a. Maybe like a re release of one there. of the early Fast and the Furiouses? There's not, but there's a release of another film that was on Fast Five. We played the trailer game last time, and there was a film that was released on Blu-ray that was advertised before Fast Five DVD. And for Tokyo Drift, which is earlier than Fast Five, there is a trailer for that same film, but it's being (laughs) released on DVD instead of Blu-ray. Oh my god. So maybe your memory will serve you a little bit here, but I don't know. I don't remember it. You gotta spill it. All right. So we've got Scarface on DVD being advertised. We've got. (laughs) I I don't know what's going on. Like maybe there's a studio deal going on here um, because they apparently like to advertise Scarface. Scarface not on DVD already. I guess not, because they're like it's it's pretty funny to watch after you see the Blu-ray um trailer because they're like in new amazing imagery and i'm like well now it's on blu-ray so (laughs) um we also had an advertisement for a tv show known as friday night lights um so maybe there was some nbc deal and then we've got waist deep have you heard of this film before no waist so waist deep is a film starring tyrese gibson like a shark movie it is not i think he it looks kind of similar to fast and furious but it's probably a lot worse um so yeah there's cars and tyrese gibson um and it looks like they're like in gangs so roman origin story maybe maybe uh and then the last one was slither uh, there is a trailer for Slither, which I think probably came out around that time. I don't know much about Slither, but. And that was it. So those that was the trailer game this time around. Um, I do have Fast or Furious 7, I think, also on DVD. So we can play it again then. Uh, we're getting a little more relevant to like actual DVD trailers, I think. So it might be easier then. Um, this film, going back to Tokyo Drift here. I have a couple facts, not too many, uh, but Toyo, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but it is a tire company. They donated 4,000 tires for this film. Uh, the film only used about half of those tires, so I don't know what happened to the rest. This is according to IMDb. It does not say what happened to the other supposedly 2,000 tires. Um, 
Vin Diesel was not supposed to appear in this film. And spoiler, he does at the very end. And the reason he appears is because screen testing was really bad or screen uh, screenings of this film were really bad. Uh, and so they wanted to bring Vin Diesel into it somehow so that they could sell the movie on that. And Vin Diesel told the studio that if they release Riddick so that they're no longer in control of Riddick and he could take over control of the Riddick franchise, then he would star in this film. So he got control of the Riddick franchise to be in this film. The man loves For Riddick. a scene. He loves Riddick. I you feel got, like he like, is so... credit. He is so high maintenance. I don't know, man. Um, Paul Walker was not asked to return to this film because they thought he was too old for this film. What? We'll talk. We'll talk about that, I think, coming up. What's the age difference between <laughs> Vin Diesel and Paul Walker? Well, there's that, but I think they wanted him to maybe like star in the film then, but I don't know what the age of Lucas Black is in this film. Um, I would have died if it was <laughs> Paul Walker and Lucas Black just taking the world by storm. Oh, gosh. Um, this film was released in Japan under the title Wild Speed 3, which is an awful title, but I also think Tokyo Drift probably wouldn't have been a great title in Japan. Um, it might have led to quite a bit of confusion. Uh, so Wild Speed 3. This film was budgeted for $85 million, which is a pretty big budget, and it grossed $158.9 million, which is the lowest grossing film of this franchise. Uh, and that's cumulative gross. So I believe that factors until like now. So it's a larger budget than I expected because it does have a, yeah. a straight to home video feel. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has that like spin off uh, straight to home video de deal, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So that's all the facts I've got. Um, so we can get on into it. I will say that there is a dog again in, in this room and he is passed out. So I think we'll be in the clear tonight for recording, but there's a chance that we will have a couple of cuts here and there. If, uh, if he wakes up, I will not say his name because it's like Voldemort and he appears if I say his name. So, um, cool. Does that happen with Voldemort? Does, I don't remember him appearing when you say his name. Uh, there's like a, a hex on his name or something. I don't know isn't, the terminology. Is that more of like a Beetlejuice thing? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. You know, I've never actually seen Beetlejuice. I think you're right. But for like the late, the last half of the like Harry Potter franchise, I think they're like, you can't say his name. Otherwise, he will appear and grow strong. Um, but that will be something I'll definitely be talking about with the Harry Potter franchise when that comes up. Um. Let's start talking about this film. So you want to kind of run run through it straight, Stephen, and go from there? Yeah, we can just talk about what happens, riff on that, and cool. see where this beautiful movie takes us. So I'll, uh, I'll introduce us to some characters here, I think, to start. Um, <laughs> the most important character, well, arguably the most important, the, the lead character in this film is Sean, who is played by Lucas Black who is a high schooler, but I'm pretty sure he's like 30 years old, actually. Um, 24. 
At the time of this film? Yep, 24 when the film came out, so maybe 23 when he filmed it. So you've got a 23 or 24-year-old high schooler, um, clearly dropped out a few times, I don't know. Playing probably (laughs) at most a 17-year-old in this movie. Yeah, he's got to be like a senior in in this movie. Um, But he gets banished from his home in Alabama. Is that actually where he's from in the movie? So, I don't know. I feel like the last place he was, like, it shows him entering a school that has a bunch of, like, security. Mm-hmm. I would, like, at first, I always think, like, California, maybe a big place in, like, Texas. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if Alabama has that kind of, like, big high oh, schools yeah. where they need metal detectors and Well, he's also the walk. only one with a, um, a southern accent, I guess, at that yes. high school, right? Yeah, so. so maybe it's, I was thinking California. Yeah, so I think the the idea is he originally had to move from another school or maybe multiple other schools to this yeah, new yeah. school. Yeah, he references that he has to move around a lot because he's a big old troublemaker. Yeah. So this, this film has a lot of races throughout it, and the first race kind of kicks off the story. So maybe we'll start with talking about that first race. Um, Sean oh, yeah. races this guy whose name I don't remember because he's a disposable character. Um football jock yeah football jock because he's i guess beefing with him uh and he wants his girl so the winner of this race is supposed to get the girl um yeah because they like you know sean like in this movie is this part is like minding his own business but these characters in these movies always somehow manage like day one to get into more trouble than like i've ever gotten in my entire life and it was he's like he's like i only race for pink slips it was a 17 year old mind you (laughs) and then the guy like you know the football dweeb bitched about how his daddy's viper costs way more than his american muscle and so the absolute wild card of a girlfriend was just like race for me yeah yeah this uh jock guy was too afraid to give up his his car um for this jalopy that sean is driving um so this this race is very typical of what you see in movies when it comes to like high schoolers racing cars i think um you've got girls just throwing bras around as as the starting flag um they're racing through a construction area uh the soundtrack for this film is amazing and i don't know if it was a beastie boys song going in the background of this but it sounds a lot like the beastie boys um which i had a lot of fun with what the music was in that scene to be honest i think it's beastie boys but it's if it's not it's someone very similar to beastie boys uh but this race also features a car jump which is pretty cool through this construction area he drives through a house yeah he drives through a house he like jumps through a house i guess or jumps out of a house um in a car i don't know where they're racing because this construction zone is like the easiest place to access apparently um but he goes through this house suburb being built yeah there's a lot of tight security on that yeah and i so go ahead this race ends where they both like wipe out right or <laughs> like he like he goes kind of off-roading he does the jump there's this part where 
you know, Sh- Sean's smiling at the girl in the car when he's right up next to him because he's like, oh, I'm going to win this. Yeah. And this football guy, who generally, you know, the stereotype in these movies, like this guy could, you know, get any girl in the school or whatever, but he's acting like he has absolutely nothing to lose. And if he loses his girlfriend in this race, it's just game over. And suicide, like, <laughs> bashes into his car. Yeah. And then they eventually, like, miss the car and go, like, a hundred miles an hour into a concrete block. Yeah. And are okay, I guess. And then yeah, Sean somehow. does, like, ten barrel rolls like he's a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Both of their cars are totaled at the end of this. No one really wins. Usually I, I keep track of the winners of these races now. And no one really wins the race. I guess... Sean acts like he wins. Yeah, it feels like Sean wins. But at the same time, this kicks off the whole story of why he ends up in Tokyo in the first place. And that's because he's banished. So I do like when they're in the hospital. He has... When the girl looks at him, he has the same smirk on his face. This time with, you know, blood-filled teeth that he had when they were first fighting or they were going to fight. And the guy was like, I'm going to beat you up, Sean Boswell. And then he like steps out of his car and drops like a wrench in his hand. And the football guy is like the most scared look on his face imaginable. And Sean is this cheeky smirk. Yeah. So already like, I just love how much of an absolute Chad Sean is in the beginning. They just stab like this man is ready to throw down with a wrench. He doesn't mm-hmm. fucking care if he totals his car in barrel rolls. It's like in a police station all bloodied up and is still just like having the time of his life. Yeah, Sean's very much the rebel um rebel of this film. And the uh I gotta ask you, what's with the Tabasco? Do you notice that when Wait, his car what? there's this when his car is tumbling? After he crashes, there's a slow motion scene of him inside, like the car, and mm-hmm. there's a CG like bottle of Tabasco that flies in front of the screen. <laughs> How did I not see this? I, just, I didn't even notice this. I but. don't understand. This is like a, I got this real sponsorship they wanted. I mean, maybe that's why his teeth are so red. Maybe it's not blood; it's just all Tabasco. Oh yeah, man, the Tabasco broke on him and yeah, yeah. spilled all over. I do like how it's a spicy race. The cop is explaining because the kids are have rich parents. They won't get any get in any trouble and he will. But the cop in the scene is acting like Sean is getting a life in prison. Yeah. He's just less like, not even 18 and you already completely threw away your life. Like, I'm trying you as an adult. You're going away forever. I'm like, my God. Yeah, it's, it's very harsh. But we also don't know. Uh, I guess we don't know Sean's previous record. As much we know, he's like done stuff like this before, but I mean, this is not how you handle this situation, I don't think. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a very bad cop situation. Not there's no good cop here. Uh, I guess his mom going is to the Tokyo good cop. is punishment. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk <laughs> about that. So instead of going to jail, this cop somehow makes a deal with Sean's mom to send him to Tokyo. Uh, to be staying with his dad, who is Major Boswell, um, this harsh guy. Uh, 
And I don't see how that's a punishment at all. Uh, I think that's a nice way to travel. Um, and it clearly doesn't work. So I, I don't get the idea behind it, but I maybe the law was different back then. I don't know. It's just like his mom does some light sweet talking on the cop and is just like, look, I'll just send him off to Tokyo and it won't be your problem. Which yeah. just makes me think like through my youth, I should have just committed crimes as a juvenile and gotten to travel around the world. Sounds great. Also, this mom must like not care at all. She's just like, okay, he'll just go to Tokyo. Like she's really sad at first, but then she just sends him to Tokyo, I guess. I'm like, that's not going to fix anything. Parents in this movie in general don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these these are non-existent parents throughout the entire runtime. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he stays with his dad. And as soon as we get to Tokyo, that Tokyo Drift song plays. I don't know the name of this song. I should, uh, probably should have written that down. It's but. just called Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Um. And I didn't remember that that was like in the film. Like I know they use it in every trailer, but I was like, wow, this is very like apparent. And they really wanted this song in the film. I don't know if the song was created for the film. Maybe it was. It is. It was. Oh, it's, okay. It's such a banger, dude. It's an all time movie song. It's fun. My follow up question is how did that not win the Oscar then? I don't know, man. <laughs> People have no, no taste. I, you know, fun fact, this song was produced by Pharrell Williams. I didn't know that, but I did see in the, like, end credits of this film, like, half the songs are by Pharrell. And I was like, what? Oh, really? I didn't know he did all of them. Yeah, it was like, yeah there's a lot. The Nep- it was like the Neptunes, which is his production group. Mm. So I did at least Tokyo Drift, which is amazing. Yeah. And it does sound like if anybody listening is familiar with neptune's production like clips or anything is early hip-hop stuff it does sound like pharrell song yeah yeah so that's pretty cool um and i i enjoy that song a lot um it's it makes the film very fun i guess uh this is not a very serious film although it has like the most serious stakes of a fast and furious film to date i think um, but when we go to Tokyo, we're introduced to a bunch of other characters, so maybe we can talk about them now. Yeah, got... like my favorite though, before yeah. any characters are introduced, one of my favorite scenes is just the teacher repeating wabaki to him over and over, and I don't know why it gets me every time. I just love the wabaki. <laughs> yeah, which I still don't really know what that means. Like, does that mean slippers sh- or, yeah, or shoes? Yeah, like shoes. Like she's just telling him to take off his shoes or put on the slippers or something. Yeah, and he gets it after a little while, and that is our comic relief um, for the early parts of this film. Is him not understanding that you have to wear different shoes in the classroom? I guess. Um, but in this classroom and in the school. We've got some other characters and I can't really differentiate who is in this high school versus who is just like in the Yakuza. Um, yeah. But I know Neela is kind of his, his love interest played by Natalie Kelly. Um, and she is also in love or she might not be in love, but this guy <laughs> DK is in love with her. There's a very cringy scene that we'll probably talk about later. 
Um, but DK played by Brian T is like the main villain of this film. And he is the Justin Timberlake of Japan, uh, also known as drift King or donkey Kong, I guess. <laughs> um, and then we've got uh Twinkie Bow Wow, who is played by Bow Wow and is not in this film nearly enough. If you ask me, um, who is like this little high school salesman uh, who drives a car that looks like the Incredible Hulk. And like it, it's he beautiful. said, he can sell rubber to a monk. Yeah. Whatever that means. He is the wolf of, uh, I, I don't know what that street is called with the, the crosswalks. The uh, There's a street in, I think, in Tokyo that's like wish- the most populated street during work hours. And I, I want to call him the wolf of whatever that street is name if is. we just knew the name of the high school call him the wolf of the high school too yeah we'll, we'll call him the wolf of wabaki, <laughs> wolf of wabaki. <laughs> um, and then we've got han who is played by sun kang and we know about han because we've been watching these out of order uh by the year they're released but in order chronologically and he is as usual eating a lot of chips in this film heck yeah and then we've got dk's uncle who is uncle kamada i think it's his like biological uncle but they at yeah, least call he him shows uncle. Up to, like the end yeah um so he is definitely not in the high school but we'll talk about him probably later and then like dk has like a secondhand man that is in the high school oh he yeah he's near the end yeah i don't really know his name then. yeah i don't know his name but he's a pretty important character he's kind of his like henchman um so that's all the the characters we get in Tokyo. And of course, we've got Major Boswell, who is a horrible father. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the high school. Uh, maybe we'll go to the second race now, which takes place pretty quickly after Sean arrives in Tokyo. It's Sean, day one. He gets into all the mischief day one at all these schools. Yeah. I do so, think this yeah, intro is refreshing after having left the street racing scene to come back to the roots of the franchise and just have a have a good street racing party. You yeah. got the people showing off their cars, the pretty women, there's Bow Wow throwing tissues in the Sean's lap lap and saying for when you blow your wad which I was surprised at, and I feel like I never caught that earlier watching this movie. I think I missed that. I don't remember that, but I'm not surprised. Um, Yeah, it's a nice return to the street racing. Uh, This whole film is a lot more race-focused, which I like quite a bit, uh, and it's very refreshing. Um, Yeah, DK versus Sean is this race. We've got a lot of cool cars around, as Steven was saying. And basically, we find out that Sean doesn't know how to drift, and he loses to DK. And then he totals Han's car because he was borrowing Han's car. And I don't know why anyone would do wrong to Han, Han, um, but Sean does him wrong. But Han, as always, plays it cool and just makes Sean work for him for the rest of the film. So... Yeah, so there's a couple things of like n- note in in this whole sequence. Yeah. 
first, uh, Sean gets in trouble once again for sharing a few sentences with a female. It, it hmm. seems like he is the most threatening man in existence because if another man sees his girlfriend say, you know, hey, how are you to Sean Boswell, they lose their shit. Yeah. And yeah, because Sean talks to Neela. And they don't talk that long. And also, I'm going to... So she's Australian, but I swear to God, her accent changes through the movie. Yeah, I couldn't place her accent at all it, in this At film. times, it's Australian, and then I it's it was not, like but English. she's Australian. <laughs> she sounded uh, like she was English, um, like from the UK or something. But Yeah, it's... it's... Like, it's like I'm looking at her IMDb, you know, she was she was born in Peru, but she moved to Australia when she was two. She went to high school in Australia. She has an Australian accent. I don't know. That bugged me. But, you know, DK comes over and be like, he's like, hey, Gaijin, don't talk to my girl. And yeah. also, you know, we're going to DK, I want to say is probably like 23 or something. So is DK in this high school? Because I no, don't think we see him in out the high, of high school. school okay. Because Han says that line, and he's like, "Hey, DK, you got to get over these schoolgirls. Uh, you're moving up in the world, which it's creepy. You know, this is 2006, I guess, yeah. which is not that long ago, which is scary in itself. But yeah, DK apparently really likes to date schoolgirls. Yeah. So I'm optimistically putting his age at like 23. Because, like, I feel yeah. like even when we went to high school, I, there were some people that were dating people not in high school. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Um, yeah, but, you know, 23, it's creepy, but not as creepy as it could be. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's kind of weird, though, because he's like this. I mean, he's not really the kingpin of the Yakuza, but he, like, acts like one. He, he's so you like would think he wouldn't want to, like, be with high schoolers. Niche right of this yeah flick. so you would think he wouldn't want to be like around high schoolers at all but it's yeah it's weird uh i do like this scene also cements the fact that sean is a chad and you can't doubt it because um bow wow or twinkie tells my man that dk is yakuza and sean still doesn't give a fuck at all and well, I don't know if he knew what that meant. It. I feel like Sean's just like, I don't know what that means. I don't care. Well, he, he but Twinkie said like it's Yakuza, you know, the mob. And yeah. Sean like is like whatever, and just keeps pressing my man. It's he's, what a he's fearless crazy boy. And then also the second thing of note is I can I understand you know like in hindsight why Sean or Sean Han became so popular just because like the character right away is so like carefree and relaxed it's just easy to see why people gravitate towards the character he's just like such a easy going whatever happens personality yeah i don't know if sung kang is just an amazing actor but it feels really authentic like he he does just walks on screen and i'm like oh this is gonna be a calm like laid back scene um He's he's just cool. Like he is yeah. a guy that doesn't have to do anything. He's just cool. You look at him and be like, "This guy is cool. I want to hang out with this guy." He deserves my respect. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, really he like Sean a job. 
is odd. Yeah. Yeah. In this uh, race as well, I like the drifting that we see, like DK going up the spiral in like yeah. a parking garage and drifting around it is really cool and really the fun introduction to watch. the drifting is cool too where they're going up the elevator and shad moss is kind of shad why am i saying i keep switching between calling him bow wow twinkie and now shad moss i'm not gonna call him his real name uh twinkie so like, shad moss is bow wow's real name yeah is that what you're me? <laughs> okay i was like who is shad moss i don't know <laughs> throwing you for a loop um there you go you brought your facts today yeah i guess so um he's introducing the drifting you know he's like he's like hinting at it and like we don't you know i guess we don't know what drifting is if you haven't seen it before and then the elevator opens and there's a car like sliding in front of him slow motion it's a cool intro yeah it's very flashy Mm -hmm. and dk of course wins because sean doesn't know anything about drifting um, which is half this film is him learning how to drift. Uh, and then Sean goes home and Major Boswell, his dad, is like, have you been racing tonight, Sean? And I love that line because it's like, have you been drinking tonight? <laughs> yes. But I'm like, I can't take this seriously, but I like it for some reason. Um, Major Boswell doesn't seem to know how to control his child. But at the same time, I mean... Lucas Black is really like 23 or 24. To so fair, <laughs> to Major Boswell, he's the only parent that is present at all in any child's life in this movie. We never see, I don't know what Twinkie's parents are doing, where Twinkie's parents are. Same with Neela's. That's DK's, a good point. I think DK's dad is dead. Yeah, I just assume like Uncle Kamada is basically his dad yeah. at this point. There's a line where Uncle Kamada says later in the movie something like, I, I miss my, your father or something. I thought he said like, don't be like your father. That was like, like your father's mistake or something. Oh, uh, okay. um, so, yeah, But I don't like, remember what it was probably exactly. Dead. Yeah, I think his father died in some Yakuza thing. By the way, this is like one of those classic cartoons. You know, that used to make the on TV where it's just the kids doing whatever. And it's always kind of like, where's the parents? It's not yeah. even like Charlie Brown levels where the parents just go, rah, 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 rah. it's just not there. Yeah. I mean, where are the teachers, too? We've only got that one teacher, really, who just tells you to put your shoes on. <laughs> um, but I think that this this film was missing a little bit of the school scene and the at home scene as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's through the second race. Let's see, the third race is Sean versus uh DK's sidekick, and it's pretty short and sweet. Um, we don't see much of it, but Sean wins and it pisses off the sidekick a bunch, uh, which also leads to more tension between DK because DK really cares about this sidekick character who's just kind of an asshole. Yeah, um, we get some cool montages leading up to the oh yeah because this is while he's it's after he learns to drift right yeah because he does like you know it says he works for han but he does one job for him yeah which is get money from this really big dude at, at a like japanese bathing house or something or yeah sauna. yeah it's like sean should have just wrenched him but um you know he's persistent and eventually gets it i do like uh because, like, sometime after the scene, 
Neela shows up at BK's place, and Han walks out and sees Sean talking to Neela again. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, why can't you just go get a nice Japanese girl like every other white boy here? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was a funny joke. Um, There's the... Sean also does, like... I think that's later, but he, like, apologizes to Neela about pressing her in this scene or something about who she was beforehand. Oh, yeah. And this scene makes me laugh just because she eats up this apology. It's like, he just does this basic-ass apology. It's, it's just that easy. She She's just, like, smiling at him, and it's like, it's fine. Yeah. Before, before all that, also, I think it's shortly after. So we have that, like, sauna bathing scene yeah. uh, where he has to get the money from, from the guy for Han. Uh, and then we go to the arcade, and I guess in the back of the arcade is where DK does all his gang work. Um, and then after that is when we kind of learn about drifting more. And we learn that police cars in Japan don't chase after cars that go, I think they said like 180K, so I assume 180 kilometers per hour Um because the police cars can't drive that fast, so they don't even go after the racers. Yeah. Which is great, but I also don't think they could have driven that fast through that amount of like cars that are probably in Tokyo. Yeah, um, it was just like a uh, you know, conveniently empty highway they were on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is one of the like most densely populated cities in the world. There's a lot but... of scenes in this movie where the roads are empty, then I'm like, really? <laughs> don't you yeah. like this yeah um and then we've got the rooftop fight scene i think that's actually before that third race as well because that also makes the like sidekick mad and that's what leads them to race right is what when like the... he beats up bow wow yeah okay yeah that's yeah that's when the apology happens and stuff and like to her and yes, he also should have wrenched that guy. He like gives is like Bow Wow gets beat up over selling him a broken iPod that the guy broke or something. And then Bow Wow gets mad, or I'll, I'll say Twinkie gets mad. Why can't yeah. they give him a real name? Um, oh wait, so they're actually the race actually happens. Is it before that or after that? So the it's when after Sean gets money for han from the big guy and they drive fast on the highway they go Mm. to dk's place or whatever and they're talking and han is like oh he's like uh han was like hey i want your when are you gonna like race me for that 86 corolla or something and dk is like well you give up the when you give me like the 72 skyline and that's when, like, they make a wager to have their side guys race each other for the cars. Oh, okay. So that's why Han teaches Sean to drift in the first place, because the way Han says it, like, he represents him now. Yeah. Where, you know, he, like, they made a wager where Sean will race the DK sidekick, and whoever wins gets the car that they bet on it. So it was like a, a friendly wager between on and dk kind of yeah but yeah we get introduced to like han's hangout 
he just kind of gives Sean an Evo, which, you know, it's a recurring car model from Too Fast, Too Furious. And mm. Sean's just kind of living the life. When he's learning drifting, we have these old Japanese fishermen that are apparently, like, experts on drifting that, like, <laughs> they're just, like, recurring through the movie. Then it's just like, oh, that's not drifting. And then they like smile at the end when he at the end of the montage when he learns how to drift. I really like yeah. those guys. They also say that drifting was like invented in the mountains in Tokyo. <laughs> and I'm like, where did that come from? I really love that part where Han is just like the first drifters invented it in the mountains. And it's like the way it was framed is like any lore story of like medieval times or something and it just killed me to hear the first drifters yeah because it was like it's it was playing that song too whenever they're on that mountain pass this like ambient song plays that makes it sound really serious and it's so funny yeah i kind of feel like something's missing in that like backstory of how drifting was invented because i'm like you could have built on that a little bit if you want to do that um, like talk about this like ancient guy that used to drift. Oh man! But yeah, I like how they use drifting in this film for sure because it's not something we really see in the Fast and Furious films, and it's really just satisfying to watch someone drift in their car and then successfully land the drift at the end, or I don't know what you'd call it. I'll call it landing the drift, but um. Yeah. Yeah, so then we've got that other race that's short and sweet where Sean beats the sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't see much of that race, I don't think. Like, it kind of just flashes by. Yeah, we just get him turning one corner and then the guy is, like, screaming and smashing his wheel. Yeah. When he gets on top. We get some Han. We actually get some good character development, I think, a little bit afterwards. Sean and Han are just kind of hanging out. And Sean is asking him, like, like, hey, like, like, why'd you give me your car, like, in the first race? Because you knew I was going to wreck it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, well, I just wanted to see what you got or whatever. He's like, but it's a lot of money. And then Sean was just like, I have money. It's trust and character I need around me. And he's like, one car in exchange for knowing what a man's made of. That's a price I could live with. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Han is a poet, man. It, it fits Han's character, and it's, like, way too deep for this movie. And honestly, in hindsight, that line kind of works because we do know he has money because of the Fast Five heist. Yeah. But I, I just, like, that's probably, like, the shining moment of dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just Han talking about that, just liking certain people around him, which also fits with uh, Giselle's death. Yeah. Because, like, you know, maybe you can interpret it that in this movie he's a little sad and and lonely, you know? He surrounds himself with people constantly, but, you know, is he happy? Yeah. Truly? I will say, like, as much as I didn't love The Fast and Furious 6, I think that they made it pretty well so that this film could fit after it. Um, Yeah. So I'll give it props for that because there were only a few ways they could have done that. Uh, and I think they did that well. So Speaking of Fast and Furious 6, 
aspects. I think yeah. the elephant in the room for this movie is the constant appearance of 2006 technology because it is a major plot hole in this whole retcon where yeah. we come from Fast and the Furious 6 tech where they have like the EMP pucks. We've had like the safe cracking in Fast 5. We have like all the surveillance and but Everything now we have Fast drifting. And, and now they have flip phones, the and original now we have iPods. I mean, you just say that they're in a different country and they're behind. Although I think Tokyo was like probably ahead of the U.S. So yeah, it's like Tokyo's <laughs> like on par with the U.S. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. So there's so that it's just work, really guess, funny but... to. Uh, I it's very clear that this was not made as a prequel. Yeah, I will say uh, one of the other. Yeah, one of the um, the other facts that I found was that over one of the instant messages, I guess Neela's name is in Japanese, but apparently it means drift girl. So fun fact there, because DK is drift king. So yeah, I really wish it had just said drift girl in English, just because it would have been really funny next to the Bama boy. Yeah, I think it's like I'll have to rewatch because I didn't even remember seeing it at all, and I don't know like how early on it is. It's probably pretty early, but I think it's supposed to say like drift underscore girl, but it's in Japanese. So, yeah, technology is a giveaway that this film came out first. But aside from technology, I think they fit it in as best they could. Um, Another elephant in the room for me kind of happens around these scenes. Is mm-hmm. like I was just thinking the entire time is like where does Twinkie get his stock for what he sells? I feel like he must be selling for Han. Yeah, I feel like that's Han a good point. must hook him up. He sells, gives Han a cut, hmm. or like only takes a cut and Han gets the majority. It's like that's like the only way. Like I feel like this high school kid could get access to all this product. Yeah. Right, just because it's all over the place too. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's selling weed on the corner or anything or dope. He's just <laughs> selling shoes and iPods and whatever. Yeah. Or is he stealing from Han? No, I th- I, th- I think Han probably Han said everyone steals from everyone. So there is like also in this movie, I'm like, what is Han doing? Because like the Fast and Furious guys are always like, you know the good criminals right yeah They're more like the robin hood criminals and this han is definitely if you know bow wow's working for han han is definitely getting stolen goods and selling it although the gang is not above stealing electronics that's like in the first fast and the furious i, I just yeah. wonder like what else does he have going on like what is he stealing from the yakuza like because he's doing deals on the side and stuff and yeah i do wish they told us a little more about what Han was doing. It's like my first reaction is always like, you know, just dealing drugs. Cause that's like the, always the simplest one to explain Mm -hmm. lots of money in the underground, but wouldn't make sense for him to be dealing drugs after they like stopped a drug Lord and other things. Well, I thought he was just taking money like off the top, you know? Yeah. Um, I th- he was doing side deals too because he tells Sean early on or something that like he needs DK because DK is close with 
because it, it makes it so the uncle won't look too hard at what Sean's doing in his or like what Han is doing in his territory. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it's pretty complex, um, and I I wish they explained it a bit more. Um, yeah, I think they didn't have a good explanation, so they didn't explain. Maybe, yeah. But also, Han's not really, like, the good guy of this film. Like, he wasn't meant to be the protagonist, I guess. I mean, he's not supposed to be a bad guy, but he's not the main the main guy that's supposed to be Sean, so... Um, yeah, what else have we got? Uh, does that lead to Han's death, or does this race between DK and Sean happen before that? Uh, that happens after after Han's, Han's death. death. Yeah. So what happens is, I mean, I watched this we, movie last night and I already forgot where I'm. We at got now. a combo <laughs> of things where. You know, Bama Boy instant messages a drift girl and they hang out and she yeah. talks about her life story watching oh, wait, wait, wait. Drifters in the Mountains. Hold on for a second there. I have yeah. to bring up the scene where that happens and Sean goes, How come I never see you drift? And that's yes. like his pickup line to her. Yeah. And then her only response is because you never ask. Which is a weird response, yeah. And I'm like, why? did this exchange happen in the script because it's like there's no good like flirt or comeback line so sean just has the factor man um (laughs) she drifts in the mountains with them and it's uh we get that ambient music again she's telling her life story they got a real connection uh after this scene dk comes to the fisherman drift practice location and starts kicking the shit out of Sean. Right. Because he's extremely jealous of his high school girlfriend talking to another man, another high school boy, actually. Mm-hmm. And we get a very cringy scene. Yeah, that's the one I referenced earlier, I think. Which is a high school girl telling an old man that she's breaking up with him. Which just feels kind of wild, the way, like, how dramatic it is. Mm-hmm. And then we get, like, some back and forth, and then DK is, like, tears her down by, like, do you know who you even are? And I'm like, what the fuck? You're, like, 17. And he's <laughs> standing, like, extremely close to her. And it's kind uh, of DK's thing throughout the movie. He gets, like, real up in your face. That's true. He also says that she is the same as him, and there is like nothing in this <laughs> film to justify that whatsoever. No, there's so. nothing about them that's the same at all. Yeah, it's I'm like, we know nothing like, about her at all. Same. Yeah. So. So yeah, and then she goes, kicks it with a uh, Sean at Han's digs because Sean at this point has left his dad's place. And is living in Sean, or Han's hangout. Yeah. And, and his dad and just his, gives up on him, basically. Yeah, his dad is like, okay. He's like, I was, oh, I guess luckily. he's gone. Do you think he even, like, told his mom he moved out? <laughs> I don't think that his dad and his mom talk at all. Like, Other than when she called and was like, She was hey, just Han's like, he's in. yours now. And then <laughs> that was it. Now he's Han's. 
And yeah, now he's Hans, and his dad's like, cool. Well, I did tell him he has to leave if he keeps racing, so he listened. So after this happens, uh, so, you know, it's like DK's going through a tough time. His, you know, longtime high school girlfriend breaks up with them, and then his uncle comes and discovers Hans stealing from him. He shames him. DK cries a little bit. They mm-hmm. go over to Hans. There's a scuffle. Guns are drawn. And then we this get a chase where scene down. where like yeah. the gun gets knocked out because they cause a distraction or something. Everybody scrambles to their cars. And this is where it's like the scene like there. It's like so we get a cool like chasing here. Yeah, they're driving through the streets. They go through that crosswalk where yeah, uh, that I was talking about sick. earlier that I don't remember the name of, but the they have to like avoid the all the people. Yeah, it's it, that's probably the coolest like scene aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's definitely like well shot. It looks cool. It's a fun concept. Oh, it's a parting this, of the seas. Before the this sea. chasing starts, there's yeah. one part that was hilarious to me. Uh, when they're all scrambling to their cars and Sean and Neela get in Sean's car, uh, that sidekick of DK's is in mm-hmm. front of the car when they're in the car and the car is on and like kicks it. And then mm-hmm. he just gets immediately run over by the car. Yeah. And I thought that was so fun. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, you know, chasing ensues, they drive to the people and then... <laughs> Han does some avoidance, but gets hit by cross traffic. Yeah. Oh boy. And Leno is really upset that Han is. Yeah, in we a made bad it situation. so far. I think we're okay. I think he's trying to tell me. He does this thing where he tries to tell me it's time for me to brush his teeth so he can go to bed. Um. <laughs> so I think that's what he's doing right now. But I think we're good. I think he'll be. He'll understand. Not yet. It's not time yet. It's okay, Leno. <laughs> it's okay. You can go to bed if you want. <laughs> go lie down. Uh, I'm I'm just going to leave all this in, I think. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Han's death right now? Or are you going to Yes. Be... I made sure to remember because we're going to get the scene <laughs> in the next movie. Yeah. That expands on the death scene and makes a, a, a reveal. And I really want to know if they nailed all the details in that scene. Mm. Because in this scene, Han gets uh, T-boned by just like a standard like Mercedes someone's driving. Yeah. And he's surrounded by people. There's a lot of people looking at the car Han has crashed and Sean is running to it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I do wonder how they work in that reveal. It's So at the end of... Fast and Furious 6. Han blows up. Yeah. Also. At the end of Fast and Furious 6, I think you said you missed the end credit scene, but there is this end credit scene, and it shows this death. Um, I think it's at the beginning of 7, too, they show it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Fast or Furious 7, so um, I'll have to look over that. But, yeah, at the end of... Fast and Furious 6, Statham, like, walks out of the car. And I'm like, there's no way Jason Statham is driving this 
like dingy old car that hits Han like randomly. And it like in this film, it's not a setup like at all. It's clear that just like this random car hit him, right? Like to me, it feels like this random car hit him. Yeah, it's very clear. Like he just goes into oncoming traffic. It's hit by a random car. It's clear like the gas and probably the nitrous in his car catches on fire and he just blows up. Mm hmm. And so I'm very curious to see what will happen. Um, it's like because Han were... is supposedly alive in F9, I think. So back back in the good old early mid 2000s of Fast and the Furious, people weren't invincible. You know, yeah, we have Vince almost dying from a trucker driving a truck with a a shotgun. Yeah, that's true. And. You know, and it's, it's only after the series progressed that uh, it, it'd take a uh, super soldier to do any harm to any of these characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, this yeah, is just, so... feels like a normal, a real accident. Yeah. But, you know, when people are in cars in the Fast and Furious universe and the car explodes and catches on fire, they usually don't die. <laughs> yeah. Standalone, I think I do like how they did this though because it seems like it's more of like han's mistake uh he just like wasn't paying well enough attention and that's why he died it um, feels like a consequence for the actions that of the too, characters because yeah. for the most part sean and his lifestyle in this movie has generally been rewarded yeah so it feels like a very real like Hey, watch watch what you're doing, kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the mentor for for Sean too. So when Sean sees this, uh and we need that little kick of inspiration to make uh Sean a better character. So So that leads then to uh Sean DK. confronting Uncle Kamada. Yeah, so which with uh DK, yeah. Before they get there. Yeah. Sean runs to his dad's place with Mila. Right. Right. And DK somehow finds them. I don't know how. And DK confronts them. And he has a gun in his hand, by the way. Reminder that Sean is a Chad. No hesitation runs up and punches a man that is armed with a pistol. <laughs> 17 years old. Doesn't flinch to punch the guy with the gun. Yeah. And then one of my favorite lines for the comedicness of it is Sean dad, Sean's dad comes out and points a, a gun at DK, which is, you know, reasonable. He's a major. But I loved Sean's dad's line of, I'm responsible for your well-being. And I'm like, Really? Like you've been yeah. ignoring him this entire movie, and when he moved out, you didn't even look for him. Now yeah. you're responsible for his well-being. Yeah, I I do want to say um, I'll insert this here. I think earlier I said something about DK's dad, but I think I was thinking about Sean's dad. Um, I don't know how DK's dad like died, but I do know that Sean's dad in this scene we're talking about right now tells him that at least he's not making the same mistakes um he tells sean that at least like while he's still making mistakes he's not making the same type of mistakes or something like that yes um 
which I feel like is a very missing part of this film also is I want to know more about Major Boswell. Uh, that could be so much worse than what Sean is doing. Yeah, because <laughs> like, Sean just makes a quip that his dad runs away from all his problems or whatever, which is probably why he ditched Sean and his mom. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to clear that up. I think I was thinking about Sean's dad mm-hmm. earlier as opposed to DK's dad. I don't know. I don't remember what Uncle Kamada said about DK's dad. Maybe he just said he misses him more uh, or liked him more than DK. <laughs> um, yeah, Sean's dad, pretty ballsy, comes out with a gun to stand off against DK. Uh, At least he could do. Yeah. And then DK leaves. And I'm like, you could have just run him over with your car, like a gun versus your car that's like five feet from him. Your car is probably going to win before he pulls the trigger. So Sean's dad also um, probably could have just shot him. (laughs) Yeah, that too, because DK was clearly not ready to shoot Sean's dad. Yeah, Um, I I think, uh, you know, maybe they would have had some trouble with the Yakuza that happened, though. Yeah, yeah, I think Major Boswell knows uh some stuff going on and he's like i don't really want to get that involved in this um yeah so yeah missed opportunities there but that leads us back to uncle kamada yeah so twinkie gives sean some money that is his or han's to take into kamada's place because it's the only way he's gonna make it out alive yeah and this part is really funny just because I, I love the simplicity of him walking in, like, also good guy Sean being like, hey, this belongs to you. Sorry, Han stole it. Uh, can we solve this situation between me and your nephew the good old-fashioned way with a race? Down a mountain? <laughs> yeah. With a lot of drifting, and it's like, it's like DK's mountain, right? They say it's like someone's mountain that he knows everywhere. Um, so I think he was saying it was DK's mountain. Yeah, because it's like the, he's the only one who's got down it alive or not in one piece or yeah. something. Probably not alive, just probably without crashing. Yeah. So that leads to that. And the race is pretty good. Like, I like it a lot. Um, this is much better than the tunnel scenes of Fast Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah, it's wide open. It's like they know how to use night lighting in this film, and they didn't in that film. So Yeah, it's also, I don't think, CGI, which a lot of yeah. Fast and Furious race was. Also, yeah. this race, instead of an attractive woman starting the race, we get an old Japanese man in a suit. Very impressive. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that part. Yeah, all of a sudden, we're like surrounded by Yakuza, like old guys now. Yeah, so. we really get the 2006 technology on display in this part where they're all filming it with their flip phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love I love this race. Um, pretty exciting. Sean wins. DK dies or is very injured? No, he crashes. He crashes. He's okay, though. He's just very injured and disgraces Uncle Kamada. Um, and Kamada's a good sport, you know. He does, yeah, upend his deal side of the deal. He's like, "You're free to go." He's like, "That was a good race." Yeah, and then boom, we're to the last race, uh, which we don't see the race, but this is what uh, Vin Diesel signed on for: is one tiny appearance in a car, 
and he uses his I don't remember the lines actually, but he says something that is very common for his character in these films. Do you remember the lines? Yeah, so Sean, you know, as a fan of American muscle himself, uh sees Dom's car and is like, hey, nice ride. Dom says, My friend Han gave it to me. Like I, I won it off my friend Han. Oh yeah. And and then he's like was, I think he said like something Sean said something or turns like, oh you knew him or whatever, and then like and then Dom is like Han was family. Right. Which in hindsight also was a I, I guess a timely line. Yeah. He um, also he says something else, I think, too, but I, I really don't remember what it is, but it's kinda like the I live my life like a half mile at a time or oh, something. I think the but guy it's said, not that. I know Sean says like, you know this ain't no ten second race, right? And, right. He said something about that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what Dom I'm thinking. Just like, I'm just down for whatever. I don't know what he says. Yeah. I wanna know how much they paid Vin Diesel for Maybe his, they didn't like, pay two him lines. They just got the movie. The Riddick movie. Oh, that's true. That's probably a lot of money. So he has fought. He has fought hard for Riddick. I've never seen a Riddick film. So Pitch Black is worth seeing. It's a sci-fi classic. The other I don't know anything about. Like, is Riddick? That's just his character. Yeah, he's 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 like a a certain type of humanoid alien. In this Riddick universe, the first movie is called Pitch Black. Is like, it, it's a cool like, uh, sci-fi thriller where they're kind of like trapped in the desert, and at night in the desert, there's like a lot of dangerous creatures that start tearing the group apart as they try to get to safety. And Riddick is like, he's a type of race that like he can see at night and is also like a very prolific fighter and. Hmm. killer it's a very good movie the other riddick's get a little crazy i haven't seen the newest riddick but i did see the chronicles of riddick which is like okay i feel like it came around this time that one's kind of fun it's not exactly super well made i have to check those out those might be a a podcast worthy franchise of films um possibly it's also a video game huh Let's see. What else have we got with Tokyo Drift? So that was pretty much the whole story we went through. Yeah. I will say I really like Tokyo in this film. Um, I think that it is shot really well. I assume they shot a lot on location, but I don't know. But it's a I think refreshing they, location. It is, it's yeah. Fun. We're not in South America or the southern part of the US. Um, and we're not in Europe now. Uh, although this was before we went to Europe, I guess. So I, I really like it. It works really well for like street racing too, even though I think that these races wouldn't really happen like this, uh, with the population, but, uh, the bright lights are fun. It kind of brings back the neon vibe a bit. It's not as much as too fast, too furious, but it brings it back a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a little like lost in translation as well because of, sean being dropped into this culture that he doesn't know they don't explore that too much but it's clear that he's not familiar with his new surroundings so i yeah i think it's a 
it's kind of a, a, a companion sister movie to Too Fast, Too Furious, and yeah, they revolve around the culture. It's a it's a fun setting. It's a very simple plot. The acting isn't particularly good, especially Lucas Black is bad in a lot of yeah. lines. When he has to string together like multiple sentences, it's generally bad. There's a couple like kind of monologues he has. But the movie, like, it keeps it light, it keeps it fun. The fish out of water stuff is always fun. They don't mm-hmm. uh, try to squeeze too much juice out of the fish out of water thing and make yeah, it yeah. the like his entire character. It's just a little mm-hmm. bit at the beginning. They keep the story generally light. It's corny as fuck, but because they don't get too serious all the time, it's still good. And I'm still a sucker for that street race culture on film yeah yeah that's i mean the racing in this looks really crisp and it's nothing like too crazy like they're not jumping over bridges i mean he jumps kind of through a house but it's not like like it's very believable um and i mean they don't have to rely on the crazy technology that we have now Uh, and uh, yeah there's a lot of style it's got an and, aesthetic. It's got style. I don't think there's a lot of CGI in it. So yeah, generally, I don't think so. for the most part, it looks good because it does just look like it's cars driving. Yeah, and then in terms of the story, I actually like it. I, it's very simple. Like they don't veer off of the main story too much, which some of these other Fast and Furious films do now because they just have too many characters. Um, so you're trying to follow what each character is and like who each character is. Um, so I, I do like that. It's a pretty simple story where it's these high schoolers versus this other group of high schoolers. And then the, the Yakuza is also involved. So it has no business holding up after what is it now? 15 years, but it does. Yeah, it's it's a very fun film to watch. So, yeah. Um, so there's one thing I'd like to talk about, though. I've been yeah. anxious to talk about this. And it's something I kind of came to a re- realization of, is what was with the mid-2000s and there being so many movies like this one? And specifically, I mean movies where the protagonist is like a high school kid with a very unique skill set. And the drama centers around his unique skill set. And the movie acts like the stakes are so high. When when you take a step back, it's not. And so, like, I'll give you examples, man. There's, like, so this came out in, like, 2006. So in 2008, there's a movie Never Back Down. Which hmm. is, like, the high school, like, fight club movie. Where there's, like... uh a fight club going on in a high school basically and there's a rich kid that's the villain towards a lucas black like protagonist yeah <laughs> and he has to like fight and win against this guy you have um step up oh yeah which is the the dancing movie right with uh step up to the streets uh, that's the second one, I think. But yeah, it's a dancing movie of some sort. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah. Step up's the uh, the Channing Tatum 
I I don't I haven't seen it, so I'm guessing he's based on the pictures, he's high school level and I did you know, not know he was in that. That must be like pretty early. Yeah, time. he yeah, he's the protagonist in it and he and he what? learns a unique skill set of dancing. He had So uh fun fact here. Yeah. Um Channing Tatum apparently auditioned for oh. Tokyo Drift. What? So yeah. As Sean? I think so. How did he not get it? Uh, let me see. I think I can find the fact real quick here, but it was on the facts. Uh, it only says he auditioned for a role in the movie, so it might not have been Sean, but... He would have been, and this is something that will come up later in this podcast, he would have been fucking prolific if he did that this movie this year. But So Step Up is the same year as Tokyo Drift, 2006. Yeah, so maybe... Uh... And... Another he probably made more money off that. So <laughs> another 2008 was the movie Jumper, which oh, is the Jumper. high school kid that can teleport. That still always plays on FX, I think. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's absurd. Apparently, there's like a, a pretty strong following for like the, the comic or something it's based off of. Yeah, I think I saw that on a plane once, but I don't remember the film at all. It was not memorable. A year after this movie, you had Stomp the Yard. Oh, man. Which starts high school, but is freshman year college, where it's a guy who's a street dancer that learns to do the, the stepping stuff yeah. in college. So it's another one. Another high school kid, unique skill set, drama surrounds their skill set. And then, like, the original one was probably, like, Drumline in 2002. Yeah. A lot of dance films around this time. Yeah, but it's like... Uh, all, and music films, I guess, but... They always start with the kid getting in trouble. Yeah. In some way. It's like uh, Stomp the Yard is like the main character's brother, which is Chris Brown, dies and gets shot over dancing. <laughs> My gosh. Jumper. I don't know. And it's like all the... Right, like Stomp the Yard is there's definitely a dance off in the climax. Step up, I'm guessing there's gotta be a dance off in the climax. Never back yeah. down, there's the main fight scene. Drumline, you have a drum off. <laughs> and then Tokyo Drift, you have a race. It's this it's just such a, a strange trend, and it all happened within like a four year span of each other yeah. they just don't make these kind of movies anymore which is fine it's just such a, a weird blip in cinematic history it's I funny because like these films were like perfect for like when we got to high school yeah um so i don't know maybe it's just our generation uh <laughs> but yeah i guess yeah. Like our, this is appealed to our generation around the time we were going up yeah, up. I mean, we got Spider Man and and Stomp Stomp the Yard, Step Up, and Never Back Down. Trumpline is Tokyo probably Drift. the one movie out of all the ones I named. That's a, I think, a legitimately good movie. Yeah, Drumline. I think I had seen it like ten times in high school because we would watch <laughs> yes. it on like trips, places like an orchestra and stuff. But yeah, uh, good film from what I remember. I have not rewatched it in a long time, but it might be due for a rewatch soon. Um, the other piece worth mentioning, yeah, for this is 
with Fast 9 right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Sean Boswell, or Sean Boswell, Lucas Black is going to be reprising his role as Sean Boswell in the movie. I a little saw more that prominently today. than I think he like shows up kind of cameo in one of the other later ones, but I I think he's going to be prominent. I think he's going to be part of the crew, and it's got me to thinking. Sean was twenty. Let's see, he was twenty four, right when he played. Yeah. Uh, seventeen-year-old, probably at most, Sean in this movie. I was thinking because this movie happens in between six and seven, how much time has passed between the end of this and Fast Nine? Because at this point, I'm saying like maybe like three years have passed in timeline yeah. in the movie, Sean is going to be played by a 39-year-old Lucas Black playing <laughs> maybe a 20-year-old Sean Boswell. I love it. I love it, and I'm excited. Um, I Yeah, Sean, I saw that that was cast um, I, when I was looking earlier today at the F9 cast. I also think Han returns, so there's going to be some explanation on that probably, or maybe it will be flashbacks. I don't know. Um Will Lucas Black and Sung Kang have chemistry after 15 years apart? What I really want is they got to bring back Brian T, this DK guy. Um, oh, maybe he'll be, be a villain or like he could a, be a good guy now. He could be. He could change. Yeah, he could change. He's like the Vince now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I feel like while DK is definitely the villain of this film. He's not the most hateable. Well, the scene with Neela is pretty bad. Yeah. But aside from that, uh, until like the very end of the film, he's not too hateable. Um, Should have listened to his friend Sean and stopped dating high school girls. and He would have been all right. Yeah. Yeah. This entire movie wouldn't have happened. Honestly, most likely if if he just didn't date high school girls. Also, if Sean listened to his father. But... (laughs) (laughs) Um, what, I guess we'll, uh, get to ratings. What would you rate this film? Yeah, Unless there's so something gonna, else you were dying to talk about. No, I'm going to give it a, a three, three out of five. I think it's, you know, slightly better than a little bit of a step back fast, uh, fast and furious six took. Obviously you know, this was made way before, but you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's a, the sister movie to too fast, too furious. So I like it, have a soft spot for it. But it's not, you know, it's not the, quite the energy and greatness of Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I gave it a three out of five. I looked back and I had seen this film once before. And at the time I watched it previously, I had also logged it on Letterboxd. And I gave it a two out of five. And after rewatching it, I don't know what I was thinking. This is a very fun film. Um, and for this franchise definitely like in the middle it's not bad it's not amazing but i really like the characters for some reason and i like the story and i like the fact that it is not overboard with the stunts it's just a practical film so yeah also a three out of five you know what we have we're just so simpatico with <clears throat> Roger Ebert. He gave it a three out of four. 
The man just knows fun. He does. Well, he did. Um, but yeah, I think Ebert and I align most of the time. I mean, there's some stuff that is going to be off, but that's every reviewer. And I mean, he has reviewed like every film. So, um, <laughs> he did. Uh, so I read a line in his review that I think is worth reading is he says, the movie observes two ancient Hollywood conventions. One, the actors play below their ages. Although the, in quotes, <laughs> students are all said to be 17, Lucas Black is 24, and his contemporaries in the movie range between 19 and 34. And he's like, maybe that's why the girls in the movie take their pom-poms home. They need to remind us how young they are. It, I did kind of think about that in the beginning of the movie is like all the football players were wearing their uniforms for the movie to be like these guys are the jocks this is oh, the character yeah. development <laughs> it's like all the cheerleaders are in the cheerleader uniforms yeah kind of like the beginning of this film kind of reminds me of like greece um i don't know why just because they're wearing like high school costumes i guess <laughs> but and there's some car stuff um what else you have anything else um for this well, episode unrelated to tokyo drift yeah because this is a banger of a year what is your worst and best of 2006 it's a stacked year man I'm telling you i didn't i don't have a lot for some reason i only have 10 films logged oh but wow. I, I have the departed 36 which to think about the departed came out the same year as tokyo drift blows my mind <laughs> we have a tokyo um, or a 2006 movie night and like start with departed and end with tokyo drift <laughs> yeah uh i've got the host which i love and uh, i mean bong joon ho does no wrong um the prestige so those are my top three uh the host and the prestige had four stars the departed i gave five stars it's one of my favorite movies of all time um i've got borat in the middle wait 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 wait. which one did you say was your favorite of one of your favorite of all time the departed okay okay i had to make sure it wasn't the prestige i do like the prestige a lot more than a lot of other people do i think i um, i need to rewatch that but i am a known hater of the prestige from the one time i watched it hmm before like right before i started this podcast and partially what led me to want to start this podcast uh, or do it in this format is i watched all of christopher nolan's films because i really wanted to watch tenet and the prestige stood out to me i liked it a lot i mean i have not seen a bad film by nolan yet so oh well tenet makes no sense to me but that's a different story um yeah, my lowest films on this list would be Penelope, which is my dog. A very strange film. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think your dog's in it, but you rated um, my dog. Maybe it's an origin story. Uh, but not a great film, and I don't remember much about it. Uh, but that was two stars. And then after that, I have Tokyo Drift at three stars. So that, I mean, that just shows how few films I have that year. Your turn. Yes, I mean, best of the year. 
it's tough. Uh, so number one, I'd probably put Alfonso Cuaron's magnum opus, Children of Men. Ah, I do love that film. I just didn't log it yet, I guess. Beautiful film. Technically, a masterpiece. Like, just the long takes are just uh, film nerd heaven. It's an emotional film too, right? Yeah, I read Very the sad book. Film. And it's quite different. And I do think the movie is significantly better than the book. I didn't know it was based on a book, so yep. that's good to know. The... Next one, I'd put probably Pan's Labyrinth. I think Guillermo del Toro's best. Ooh, I need to rewatch that. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Beautiful, beautiful and sad movie. Um, and then the very controversial Mel Gibson with his magnum opus Apocalypto. Would be uh, my I've never third. seen that. I think it's uh, not many people make movies like Apocalypto. Just yeah. the uh, the focus on the South American natives, you know, and like the whole setting around Mayan civilization is unique in film. It's a brutal movie. I love it. It's super unique. I give all those five stars. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Um... There's other good ones throughout the year of course like uh i like 300 a lot because it's just fun um i don't want to talk about that (laughs) just love i like seeing boys just sorting up other boys what can i say um i will i'll throw out right now that steven and i i believe have pretty differing opinions on Zack snyder which could be discussed in a future podcast (laughs) so Underrated movie of this year, though, is Blood Diamond. One of Leonardo DiCaprio's mm. best performances. His accent yeah, I don't think incredible. I've seen that either. But Rocks yeah. that South African accent. Um, Leo with a South African accent. Yeah, he's, it's Sounds really good. good. Um, worst movies of the year. Number one, I'm going to give to Return to Halloween Town because it how dare you it shits all over the legacy of halloween town i know you were such a halloween town buff halloween town is a holiday classic i agree that is a five out of five movie calabar's revenge or whatever that guy's name is love that one but yeah it's just Halloween Town is just wholesome, fun. It's you can't go wrong. I pretty much watch it every year. I'm not gonna lie about it. <laughs> you don't have to. Halloween Town High, while not good, did not shit on the legacy because it still had um Kimberly Brown as the protagonist. The fact they mm. switched up the lead actress in this movie while it's still the same girl it was just disgusting. A horrible <laughs> offense. Yeah, that's weird. And they kept like the brothers the same actor in it too. But yeah, that's a one and a half star fuck return to Halloween Town. How dare they? <laughs> uh number two, also one and a half star. She's the man. One of Channing Tatum's oh, movies in this year. 
the now uh, crazy Amanda Bynes stars. <laughs> That's another film that I had to watch way too much on like high school trips because <laughs> all the girls in high school would vote to watch that film. Um, so I watched that. this for the first time maybe like four years ago or something. And I I will say, like, which is why I was surprised Channing Tatum didn't get a part in Tokyo Drift. He is clearly the best actor in this movie. <laughs> when you watch it, like, he's legitimately charismatic. And, like, you watch everybody. It's like, you can see, like, this guy's going to be good. Like, you could tell Channing Tatum was going to be a good actor from this movie. The little yeah. he's in it. So I'm surprised he maybe just had a bad day when he auditioned for Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he took the other role over Tokyo Drift. It doesn't say much, so maybe I could look into that more and see. Yeah, it would be it would be interesting. Cause yeah, yeah it's like it could have been could have been three hit movies. Mm-hmm. Two thousand six, last one. I'm gonna give two thousand six two stars to RV, the Robin Williamson oh, man. comedy featuring one of my most hated actors since two thousand six. Josh Hutcherson. Oh, I didn't even know he was in that. He must have been pretty young. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I hate this guy. <laughs> Joshua, I'm sorry. We're like he's the, in uh, he's Hunger Games guy, right? Yeah, so we're like the same age as him, and I think it's just because I was growing up and seeing him in movies, and we're like growing up together at the same time. Oh, so yeah, like always the same weird. age and I've always just not liked him and I've always thought he has like a real like just looks like a douche I'm gonna be honest <laughs> and it just kills him apparently he became a, a bit of a heartthrob though during Hunger Games for yeah a lot teams. of people like him a lot um so yeah Bridge to Terabithia Zathura oh, man. RV just never <laughs> never liked him yeah, that's a lot of not great stuff. Um, yeah, what a year this was. Snakes on a Plane came it was out. was a year. Here. Yeah. Um, I think that's everything I got. So you got, I will say, while you were doing that, going through your list, I have three films from 2006 that I have watched and discussed on this podcast. So I'll reference those right now while I was doing a little research. Episode 32 was the host. um, That was about Junho season. And episode 39, I talked about Mission Impossible 3, which is J.J. Abrams' debut film. And what a film for a debut to take on the third film of our franchise. Um, So I talked about that episode 39. And the other one is episode 46. I talked about Marie Antoinette because I did Sofia Coppola's filmography. So mm-hmm. if you want to go back and listen to those, there is your numbers for reference. I've um, only seen those. You've never seen Mission Impossible 3? I don't think so. I may have seen parts of it, bits and pieces when I was younger. It's really good and it's a big turning point in that franchise it's got philip seymour hoffman so i I have he's amazing pieces of it i remember the philip seymour hoffman movie yeah i think he's the best villain in that franchise so far that they could have done more with but i mean 
we know what happens. So I think the host is all right. It's kind of in the middle of Bong Joon-ho's filmography. Yeah, I like all of his films, um, and I like that one quite a bit as well. So I can't say too much bad about it, but uh, yeah. So that's that's that. Um, I guess, are we good to close off? Do you have any final thoughts you want to share? No, I think this might be our longest episode, and it's about Tokyo Drift, which is, yeah, I'm, makes I'm, me really happy. I expected to talk about this film a lot actually so i'm pretty happy with it eat shit uh, prisoners eat shit blade runner <laughs> i mean those got so intellectual that i had to stop talking about them before i hurt my brain too much so yeah um, those are great episodes too but you can't go wrong with the longest episode being tokyo drift it, this is more in our wheelhouse we're not intellectuals <laughs> yeah this is simple enough for me to understand uh so great episode thank you for joining me steven i had a great time and we will be back probably next week with furious seven worst name uh which was released in 2015 i don't i didn't write this down for some reason but i believe it is also directed by justin lynn so you can look out for that i'm sorry if i got the director wrong but i think it's justin lynn Uh, And that will be out sometime next week. Thanks, Stephen. And we'll talk to you all later. Peace.